0: What's up, everybody? Jay Miller here. This is The Pitch Show, where I either talk for who knows how long about something going on in my life, or in special occasions like this one, I sit down with someone who is absolutely destroying it in the quote-unquote productivity space, and <laughs> we talk about you know, their journey, their story, how they got there, what they're doing, why they're doing it. And ultimately, why they hope to never have to go back to using those old tools of the past. Um, As I said before, I'm your host, Jay Miller. And this week, I am with Christopher Lolly. For those that don't know, I'm just going to call him Chris because Christopher is such a long name. It is. Chris, Chris is a YouTuber that talks about... Uh, that iPad life uh, and occasionally that Mac mini life and occasionally that shortcut life and that productivity life but he is kicking it just announced he is going independent he's been you've been what freelancing for a month now I guess I should say hey Chris how's it going
1: hey I, I'm doing pretty good it was it's just over a month it's uh about a month and 10 days now so I'm I'm not uh I haven't been kicked out of my apartment yet so I guess it's going good <laughs> there
0: you, hey you know that I I sit there and remember, like, the first time I ever tried to, like, go into business for myself, I had this, like, $400 studio apartment. This was in Georgia, not in California, where, you know, where I live now, where $400 would get you a bucket. But, like, I remember that that was good for, like, a few months. And then, like, my two clients were like, okay, no, but for real, though, this isn't really going to work. And I was like, oh, all right, well, time to go get a job again. So...
1: Well, well now, you- you're, now you're just having me panic a little bit on the inside. <laughs> YouTube going to say? Nah, now we're you good. You love, can't post no. here anymore. <laughs> we're good. We don't need your
0: iPad videos. <laughs> well, I, I think the biggest difference is you actually had a plan and you didn't just like start all of a sudden going like independent. You, you kind of worked your way up to that point.
1: Yeah. So I spent about it, it just over like four years and a month Um, building my YouTube channel Uh, from the ground up. I didn't have an audience. I didn't have, you know, I I wasn't a a fancy tech Twitter boy with, you know, 20,000 followers or anything like that. I was just, uh, I was a nobody, but I really enjoyed uh, talking about apps and the iPad. The, The iPad came a little later on, but really mainly apps and kind of productivity and stuff like that. And I noticed there really wasn't anyone on YouTube that wasn't doing it from a non-toxic standpoint, a non like, hey, buy these 10 apps, these 10 productivity books and these three courses, and then you'll 10X your productivity. Like I, there really wasn't a whole lot of people not doing that. So I kind of saw that empty space and wanted to jump in there.
0: Well, I, and I think that your your approach to... I guess app productivity was what inspired me to kind of blow the dust off of the old pit YouTube channel and, and start talking about productivity again, because it it wasn't this, you know, I've, I've been very open to say like, I am people's anti-productivity guru. Like I want to teach people how to be as unproductive as possible because in ways I think that doing, things just because, and getting those, those itches scratched can often lead to more success, more happiness. And if you're not thinking about whether or not you should, you know, start a Pomodoro timer, you know, (laughs) that just gives you more time to have fun with it. So for me, it was like, I want to do this, but I want to do this in a way that's not super douchey, like not, not me just being, and by the way, there might be language on this. I, I'm not gonna edit it, so whatever.
1: Oh, that's fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling I'm telling the the audience, because I don't normally try to keep it clean, but it tends to be. I don't know. But uh yeah, like I didn't want to be like, you know, the standard productivity tech bro that I had aimed to be so long ago. But at the same time, I also didn't wanna, you know, no offense to to your channel, but I also didn't want to have like, let's talk about apps mm-hmm. and let's talk about this. It was like, no, let's talk about stuff that's going to actually have an impact. And I think that you've been able to kind of thread that needle in a way to where you are able to talk about the things that you enjoy, which are apps and those you know other things and the devices and the tools, but you're able to do it in a way that doesn't feel preachy or super like... Thank you to this company for bringing this device. I love it. It's the best device in the world. Like that, that whole <laughs> shtick.
1: Yeah, yeah. One of the, one of the things I do anytime I sit down to make a video is I always ask myself, like, what will somebody watching this video get out of it? So even if it's just focus on a specific app. So one one of my favorite quote unquote productivity apps is Drafts. I love Drafts. Uh, but what. I I always try to have like an angle in the video that even if you don't want to use drafts, you'll still get something out of it. So, you know, just because I make a video on drafts doesn't mean it's necessarily this is the ultimate drafts course. And if you watch this, you'll 20x your productivity. And like, I I don't want to do that. I want to make stuff that that is accessible to people. So, one, that's why I picked YouTube. So because I don't want to sell courses. I don't want to. I've been. Asked so many times to create like shortcut courses and courses on other apps and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't want to be the, the course salesman, if that makes any sense. I want people to be able to find my stuff. Sure, there's going to be ads in it, but hey, I got to pay the rent too. Um, But, you know, you can you can show up to this and just about any video unless you um, unless you don't use the iPad or iOS. That's probably the real only case that, um, you know, you really wouldn't get anything out of it.
0: And I don't even think that because, I mean, right now we're in a we're at a time where iOS and macOS. I mean literally there are devices out there that can run iOS apps on a Mac. So yeah. I don't I don't think that you can necessarily completely be like, "Oh, well I I use Android devices only." And like you can still probably get something from the video. It may not be like, "Hey, use this particular app," but maybe you can start looking for some Android app that exists out there that does everything that Drafts does, and I'm, and I mean it's not to start that whole holy war, but it's like, <laughs> it, it might I'm exist. ready to grab my pitchfork. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know, I, people, people in the audience, if you use an Android device and there is an app like Drafts, tell me. Like I, I genuinely don't know. I yeah, haven't I used an Android device in like ten years. Um, but with that, one of the things that you mentioned was like not. Wanting to sell courses and not wanting to get on Curiosity Stream or Nebula and all that. And like kind of that now my channel has gone from me talking about the things that I want to talk about, and instead it's now let me pitch to you this thing that is really how I make my money.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, yeah, that that and that's entirely it. Like, uh, if you watch my video about drafts, or uh, I could pick on another app. Things is another one of my favorite apps. If you watch a video on that, it's going to have all that information in that video. It's not going to be, oh, well, here's two minutes of information. But if you give me ten dollars, now you get you know, five, two, five, two minute videos of more information. Now, And I don't, I don't like that approach. I don't, I don't think that is a good approach. Um, One of the things that I have been dealing with a lot lately is figuring out the monetization of my channel, and I didn't want to sell ads personally on my channel. I was fine with the whole Google AdSense, basically the ads that play before you start before you watch a video. The Google puts those there. I don't have any control over them. They just they just put them there. But um, a lot of YouTubers sell ad space in their videos. You know, they'll say this video is sponsored by x company and they'll do a 60 to 90 second ad read in the middle of their video and i was really reluctant to doing that for a really long time but uh you know i got to the point where thinking about like monetization needing to grow my channel i was like i'm either going to have to start putting videos behind a paywall or doing the ad in the middle of the video and that just seemed like the lesser of two evils to me if that makes sense uh not not to say that ads are evil but well well Save that conversation for another time, but uh, <laughs> we've got them it, on record. Boys, get them. <laughs> yeah, I, I it, it pays the bills ultimately. Like at the end of the day, creators, just like everyone else, have to pay their bills, and ads help pay those bills. So. Yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's it's a a hard place for that kind of thing. But I think I chose the right avenue because everyone still gets access to all my videos. That being said, I do have a Patreon where I do a podcast that's behind a paywall. But that's just like a bonus side thing. Oh, man, I
0: didn't know there was a podcast involved with that. Let me uh <laughs> jump <laughs> over to Patreon real quick. <laughs> Let me uh, I, I will say with that, I think that. There's a couple of problems that I see, not not in your approach, but in how it's perceived by tech culture today. Right now, there are people that will say, I'm not going to give you a thumbs up on your video because it is sponsored. There, mm. In fact, there are people that will intentionally thumbs down oh, and, yeah. and hurt, like, People don't realize when you get a thumbs down on a video that literally starts getting the algorithm going. And it's like, oh, who can I hide this video from based off of this one thumbs down?
1: I would say one thumbs down is equal to probably about 50 thumbs up. Like and it, it is that makes disper- me feel bad because I
0: never get the, I get like three thumbs up so
1: <laughs> I always hit the thumbs up button uh <laughs> d- I, it, and it's hard I mean when I first started off I, it was really hard to get people to hit that button because I did not want to be one of those YouTubers that was hit the like button smash that notification bell and all that stuff but ultimately it helps so i will occasionally say that at the end of videos just to because it does help and engagement if you are somebody out there that really wants to help creators and like you have some favorite creators whatever way you can engage with their stuff so if it's hitting the like button or turning on notifications or something like that that really helps creators get stuff recommended like watch time is another really big thing on youtube that like if you don't have if people aren't watching a good chunk of your video the algorithm's not going to keep recommending it
0: yeah that's one of the things i noticed where it'll tell me like how long do people actually sit there and check out my videos and it's like Mm -hmm. ooh, like okay well i mean hey at least they clicked on it i guess thanks for the support but but even with that it's it's this weird mentality of i like the content that people are creating yet i don't want to pay for it yeah but that but you should still make it and it makes no sense to me because as someone who has literally posted like three videos this this you know year 2021 and i've been like okay i gotta get these out and i gotta invest a lot of time into them like It takes time to build it, to put these videos together. It's not like, you know, I'm going to throw a name out there like MKBHD or like Linus Tech Tips. They have entire companies of people that are responsible for we're going to record this one YouTube video like they have to pay an entire staff to make sure that they can put videos out two or three, you know, a week and when it's one person. It's often not one person, but when it is truly one person, you've got, you know, 15 hours of recording, editing, coming up with copy trying to negotiate ad sales, trying to figure out how the algorithm works, doing your own marketing. You've got all of that time. It's literally a 40 hour job. And you have people that are expecting you to put out quality content for free. Mm -hmm. And when you say, hey, this 30 seconds of a 10 minute video is what makes me able to do this or gives me the way that I can invest so that my brand can grow or that I don't have to spend as much time doing this. People want to, like you said, raise their pitchforks. And to me, it is, it's almost to the point now that I've, I've just said, you know what, I'm going to put out the content and I'm going to give you, not you, but the proverbial you (laughs) that I'm going to give the audience what they're paying for. And I know that that means that my channel may not ever grow to like independent levels, but for once I can actually say I'm happy with my job. And I I want to give a talk on this of like, you can use the tools that you've been building for free. You can use that channel that has a hundred videos on it with you know, a total of a hundred views, and you can sell yourself for a company to work for a company that will invest time, energy, and money into you, and then you can just do the same thing that you've been doing that you've been practicing for and make six figures. And I feel like that's one area of focus, but what you've done is you've said, I'm going to take advantage of the situation that I have now and given all of the parameters of like, you know, young, young lad with the ability to to crank out videos that you've built a repertoire for yourself, you've built an audience. Now's the time to strike. Let me do that now. You put yourself in a position to where you can say, if five people give me a thumbs down because I have ads, I don't care. It's not going to overact the, you know, hundreds of people that are thumbs upping and the, you know, tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people that are going to be watching me once a week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's still when somebody hits the thumbs down button, uh, it still kind of bothers me. I I will publicly normally say, ah, it's not a big deal. But it still bothers me because it's hours and hours of work that gets poured into one video. Um, I think the video that I'm currently working on, it's like my big iPad video of the year. I usually make like one of these massive videos each year. And I think I'm already like 40 hours at least into this video. And if somebody hits just the thumbs down button once, I know that's going to bug me it will bug me to my core because I'm spending all this time and I kn- and there's going to be an ad in that video it's it's going to be like a 20 minute video and there's going to be a 90 second ad in it uh so <laughs> the the rate <laughs> th- things like that will bother me but you know what there's also some really great stuff about YouTube too I get to make whatever I want and people actually watch it. I mean, if you would have told 10-year-old me, hey, you get to make videos, whatever videos you want when you grow up, and people will watch and care. And oh, by the way, that will be your job, I think I would have lost my mind.
0: So so tell me this. Like, I, I've been seeing some chatter on Twitter where people are talking about like unsubscribe culture of like yeah, you know, it's all moaning and complaining and, you know, I, I don't want to spend all my time listening to, to fanboys talk about stuff that they like or cry about the things that they don't like. Like, I'm starting to see that more and more. Mm. And I will say I'm – I don't want to say I'm guilty of, like, telling people, like, I'm I'm going to unsubscribe, but, like, straight up, there are times where I'm like, I don't have time to listen to this. I'm just going to skip it and go on to the next one. But even more, you know, we've talked about this before. I feel like I am becoming that person that's like, I want to be the the Lex Luthor to productivity Superman. Like, I want to <laughs> be that bad guy. I want to be like the one that's like, yeah, you know, I can do this. And I have a superpower kind of in that I, I'm the whole bullet journalist. And I, I have my little quirks about productivity and stuff. But I don't really talk about them. You know, I'm not... It's like how how do you fight those urges of like, you know, this will be the video that that gets all the views, but it's also going to steer all the hate, and you kind of also don't want to talk about it either because you feel like you're just you're just feeding the fire of those those people that are like, oh, here comes Chris with another video whining about why this app is a subscription. <laughs>
1: so one thing that i always try and do is so uh, i care deeply about the indie app environment basically non-major corporations usually like teams of one two maybe three people working on an app you know kind of kind of that that just like garage style tech deal i i care a lot about that community so i try never to um take a shit on those apps i always try and be a little more positive with them uh also understanding they don't have a big budget so I, I i i try and like not necessarily uh build propaganda but I, I i understand app developers limitations versus uh you know when it comes to major corporations versus uh you know small indie teams so when major corporations notion uh make really terrible apps also evernote uh make really terrible apps i'm a lot more vocal also i mean like Let's be honest. Indie developers make really good apps for most of them make really good apps. So, like, it's not really that hard to kind of um, to 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 keep positive about good apps while also being like, hey, you bad apps like you should get better, but not really, you know, not being mean about it. Um then then there's the flip side of that. Any any I make like a video about like uh oh this is why the iPad is my main computer. I always always get people commenting just buy a MacBook Pro, just buy this. And it's it's so frustrating especially after the M1 Max came out because the M1 Max, I know this isn't a tech show, but I'm, just really quick briefly, can run iOS and iPad apps on them natively. They're the same uh, arm architecture on the chips, blah, blah, blah. So everyone's just like, oh, they could just run all the, all the same apps. But they actually can't because a lot of app developers decided not to port over their apps because the experience isn't that great. Plus, there's still no touchscreen, blah, blah, blah. There's, there's a lot of reasons.
0: You were, so, I, I remember one of the things that we were talking about just in messages because spoiler alert, Chris and I talk all the time. Um, but one of the things that you had mentioned was using Ferrite and I almost messaged you like, Hey, what's Ferrite on the M1 look like? Cause that, I mean, I would be super stoked about that, but I don't have an M1 device. And then I remembered Ferrite actually voluntarily pulled Yep. their app from being able to do that and i was like oh man i want to see that app i want to see what a luma i want to see what a ferrite looks like on a mac because so, it would be amazing
1: so rumor is it is coming to the mac and that's all i know i i literally don't know that i just i just have heard it is coming to the mac i don't know if it's going to be a port of the iPad app or what? I kind of hope it's not. And, and you mentioned LumaFusion. That's a really good example. LumaFusion on the M1 Max is there. It technically works. It is not good because it is built for a touch interface, whereas you don't have a touch screen um so there there's pros and cons to everything there's always going to be negative people and i've just decided i'm not making content for them i'm making content for the people that want to learn that are interested in the stuff i talk about that's the people i'm making content for um sometimes there are people that make you know negative content on purpose you know really um Either they flat out lie. They'll just be really negative or depressing or, or just angry. Uh, and I, I'm not interested in that. That's not my cup of tea.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that's the thing of, of being OK with knowing maybe what I'm building isn't for the people that I thought it was. and and I mean that almost on like a one-to-one scale, like I have friends on Twitter that have no idea about the Hearthstone podcast that I've been running for like the last year, and like almost a year and a half now. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, if you don't play Hearthstone, then it doesn't matter to you. Like, why yeah. would you, and then like, I, I mean, the other show that I do with a developer friend, like literally he's from the UK. I'm from the U S it's called ask your Brit where I literally just ask him like, so this whole Brexit thing, like, what's that about? And we're <laughs> like, you know, why do y'all call them chips when we call them fries? Like, yeah, I know it's a played out topic of like, Hey, two people talk about their cultures, but guess what? I love learning about other people's cultures. So mm-hmm. if, if you like that kind of stuff, Great. Learn from the, you know, learn I don't want to say from the horse's mouth, because Jamie's not a horse. He's a very lovely young lad. Um, but you know, <laughs> learn from the people that are experiencing that culture, learn from the people that are doing that thing. And if you wanna, well, actually or you wanna, well, I heard or my friend, da-da-da-da-da, then the content's not for you. So don't don't listen to it. Like you've heard of like the podcasters code, right? Where you you have to assume that the person that you're interviewing has never heard your show. Yeah. Even if you've listened to every single episode that they've put out, even if you know, like all of their things, like I could interview Merlin Mann and ask him a thousand questions about his life because I've followed all of his shows for so long. But at the same time, if Merlin ever came onto this show, hopefully that'll happen one day. I, I I have to come from the perspective of Merlin's never listened to my show. There are yeah. people that I talk to on a weekly basis, on a regular basis, and I brought them onto the show several times, and I figured maybe after the first time I interviewed them, they would have listened to the show. Nope. <laughs> so, like, how do, you, how do you get around that idea? How do you get around that feeling of, like, someone who – you would consider to be like a good friend or someone that's, you know, a friend in the industry, or maybe they do something similar to what you're doing. You're like, Oh yeah, I'll watch their show. They definitely watch my show. And then like you, you want to go talk to them and they're like, sorry, mate, haven't, haven't seen it.
1: Uh, I, so I, I, I struggle with, um, Oh, what's the thing called where, where, uh, you don't feel like you belong. Um,
0: I have no idea. I believe imposter everywhere.
1: syndrome. Imposter, <laughs> oh. imposter <laughs> yeah. syndrome. I struggle with that a lot because even though I've been doing YouTube for over four years now, I still don't feel like a. I'm going to say the thing. Quote unquote YouTuber uh there are youtubers out there that are very big that are just like casually like oh hey i love your video and i'm just like oh i didn't even know you knew i existed like um and then there there are uh, occasions where i will be in a position where i'm talking to somebody and i just i will just always basically assume that no one's ever seen any of my stuff that i guess that's my answer is is i i And it's just because, like, I still feel like I'm a small fish in a big pond that I don't think I'm in a position where um, a lot of people have seen a lot of. uh, Well, I mean, a lot of people have seen my stuff, but like the whole of YouTube, like if you think about that, not a lot of a whole of the whole of YouTube has seen my stuff. So I, I just assume everyone hasn't and, you know. Just try and introduce myself. Uh, you know, for me, it's still probably one of the
0: hardest conversations. And I'm sure that uh, a mutual friend of ours, Alex Cox, is probably laughing at us so hard right now. <laughs> but one of the the funniest things was when I interviewed them, the first time they were like, how come I've never heard of you? And, and I was just like, uh, thanks. <laughs> but that that whole mindset, you know they just they spoke so much into into that idea of just like i'm listening to your stuff from the first time and now i want to go back and listen to everything that you've done yeah. how come i haven't heard of you and i i think that that's the thing that like so many people don't realize like when we all know the atp you know group and we all know relay fm and we all know like those those crowds that doesn't mean that they know of us. Like I, I tell people one of the, the people that I would love to interview on a regular basis, like on a regular basis is Stephen Hackett. And it's because out of all of the relay FM people, Stephen seems like the most like down to earth. I'm a nerd for the sake of being a nerd. I've got a, a wife, I've got kids, we've got a life. And I feel like, Steven has has no idea that I exist, and I don't listen to all of Steven's stuff because I don't care about space. I'm sorry. It's yeah. the final frontier. Tell that to Trekkie or something. I don't know. Um, but like for me, I just want to know what it's like to have all of these people who know you, but they think they know you. But they have no idea what your day-to-day looks like because you're not vlogging it. You're not talking about it on 70 different shows. Mm. You're talking about like one little piece of your life only. Yeah. And and I guess I'll wrap this up. This will be like the last question before we go into the after show and all that fun stuff. But like, do you feel like to you, your YouTube channel is just a job or do you feel like you're pouring like your entire life? Like the people that see you on YouTube know
1: who you are. So, Ooh, that is, that is a good question. So I've never going, going into YouTube. I didn't want to be famous. I was not setting out to be Casey Neistat or any p- pick po- super popular, really fancy YouTuber that was not what I was setting out to do I, I have no interest in being famous and like giving people a glimpse into my life because spoiler alert it's boring I wake up at 6 a.m I'll go for a run I come in I go to work and and film and edit videos all day and answer emails like it's it my life is not interesting uh, so what I do give people is my knowledge my knowledge of the iPad productivity shortcuts, things like that. Computers, um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't think it, I'm particularly interesting in that aspect. That people would want to know everything about me. I mean, maybe they do, and I don't realize that. But I just, I don't think I'm particularly interesting enough to vlog my day or anything like that.
0: I love that. And I think that's like a. I mean, it it is what it is. It's like yeah, people people live lives, and it's like the things you want to do. I most people don't know. I'm a league bowler. Well, not right now because ain't nobody going to bowling alleys. That seems like ground zero for so oh, yeah. many things. <laughs> um, but like people always ask me, like, oh, so what are you into? And it's like bowling and Tetris.
1: Like that's awesome.
0: I, I mean, I sound like I should work at a library as a bookkeeper, Um, which I mean, Hey, that would be a cool job too. But it's, it's, it's so interesting that we often expose one piece of our life to the public. And then that's what people think of us as I've had so many people call me like a productivity, like personality or something. And I'm just like, y'all realize I, I am often in a state of dread over my productivity. Like <laughs> I'm just, I'm just sharing my dread with the rest of
1: the world because it makes me feel more confident about myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally get that. I mean, that's like th- this last few weeks um, here in the U.S. We've had some things happening politically, uh, and I have been very distracted. I've had a hard time motivating myself to work um i have basically like <laughs> i've gotten to the point where i'm like okay do i just like take the power cords to my tv and and like a few other things and like give them to my brother and like be like hey here you hold on to these for a couple of months so i can actually get some work done because it's it's been bad uh so i one of the things that i would say is um no matter who, How somebody looks productive on the outside, there is some inner, you know... Th- there no one's perfect no one's always being productive and maybe you know that is something i need to share more of maybe that is because i do talk a lot about here's my productivity setup and here's how i work all the time and or not all the time but here's how i work and here's what i do and maybe i should start throwing in there and oh by the way i don't do this 24 7 i'm also human there are things that get me down which prevent me from working as well
0: i love it Chris, thank you so much for being a guest. The show's not over. Um, People, you're going to hear all this stuff. You're going to hear all the where can you find us. But after this, Chris is going to become the host and I'm going to be his guest on what we're going to call the Chris Lolly show. So (laughs) and he hasn't had much time to think about questions, which is why I love springing it on him But (laughs) so that you can continue to
1: not think about questions. Where can people find you? So if you go to theuntitledsite.com, super clever, I know. Uh, you, you can there's an about page. You can find uh, links to my YouTube channel. Um, I I do like if you like interesting photography of computers. My Instagram channel or my Instagram page is full of that. Uh, my Patreon has a paywalled podcast where I talk a lot more about my personal productivity and how I work throughout the week and stuff. Stuff kind of like it's kind of I call it the weekly report. It's kind of like a wrap up of what I worked on that week usually comes out on Friday. So it just kind of depends on when I actually do end up wrapping up my work week.
0: And and since he won't say it, go to his YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. <laughs> ring that notification bell. Hit the thumbs up on all the videos. Give him all the love and support. And while you're there, there's another channel you can go to called Productivity and Tech. Uh, yeah, don't don't worry too much about that stuff. But if you if you feel a little giving, you can subscribe and ring the bell on that too. Um, we're gonna be talk. We're gonna be talking a lot more there. And by we, I mean me. Um, I've come to the decision at this point of like the podcast itself will mostly be like either me just echoing what I've said on the YouTube channel or it will be an interview. So it does pay to subscribe to both. So make sure you're doing that. Make sure you subscribe to my channel. Make sure you're subscribed to Chris's channel. Um, This has been The Pit Show. I've been your host, Jay Miller. He's been Chris Lolly. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, until next time, uh, we got an after show to get to. Are you ready? I'm, I'm ready. All right. So here are the rules. Okay. Now that you know the rules, uh, <laughs> I'm good. I've got like an hour before I got a jet. So okay. Uh, at this point, you can ask whatever questions and we can go as long as uh, we can until that time.
1: Okay, all right. Well, I I mean the first thing I want to know is what are your thoughts on YouTube? You you, you talked about how you brought your YouTube channel back. I've seen a few of your videos that you've posted now. How, how what are your thoughts like general thoughts on it? Like are you excited? What what's going on there?
0: The the dread. Um the problem that I have with YouTube is the problem that I have with most things that I do. And that's if I do a crappy job it it makes no difference to youtube like i can record on (laughs) i can record on my phone with like me walking outside camera bouncing all over the place and if the content is good people will love it but because i hate it I will force myself to go out and buy a thousand dollar camera and have my green screen set up or, or try to clean up my coffee shelf so that I can have like a, a interesting looking backdrop with a Gaussian blur on it. And by the time I've done all of that, I just don't want to do a video. And yeah. I, I'm trying to balance, find the the in between. And uh. I didn't. I actually didn't min- mention a uh, truthless at all. But there's a channel that I've been following lately called Struthless, and it, he's an animator in Australia, and he talks about a lot of this stuff, a lot of the motivation, self help kind of stuff. But he does it. I mean, he, he's he's an indie, ex drug addict, like you know, that just talks. So that whole thing. <laughs> but the one of the things that he mentioned was like he follows like the 80% rule of like, get it to 80% of like being happy with it and then ship the thing. Because Mm. if you don't, you'll never, you'll never ship it. So I'm trying to figure out what 80% looks like because every time I do something, I feel like I'm just moving the needle further and further. But I mean, I don't know. It's YouTube. I feel like YouTube is going to be a greater career like catalyst for me and then podcasting and podcasting i mean l- when i say literally podcasting landed me a six figure job podcasting landed me a six figure job like i didn't take advertising i didn't ask people to follow me on patreon mostly because i didn't want to have to deal with the administrative stuff behind it mm. but at the end of the day like i had a company say hey you have the skill set that we're looking for what a- what if we just pay you to utilize your skill set for us. So I feel like in terms of YouTube, having a presence on YouTube, learning all of these steps, doing all these things, even if I don't become quote unquote, YouTube famous will help me in the long run because I can say these are skills that I have when, you know, someone says, Hey, we're looking for, you know, a new advocate or, you know, something like that.
1: Yeah, that, that's really good. I, one thing that just popped in my head that I should have said earlier when we were talking about being YouTube famous is I said I would never set out for that. The whole reason why I picked YouTube as a platform was because it is the platform. I tried blogging before I was a YouTuber and uh, it, it, nobody knew who I was. So nobody read my blog. And there, there was no algorithm for bloggers like, like there, like there is with YouTube. And I mean, that's how I made an audience was because of the YouTube algorithm. Now, I both love and hate the YouTube algorithm because it can both put dinner on my table and also take dinner off my table. So, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a really, it's a really weird thing. But I do agree with you. I think being on YouTube is bigger than podcasting. And yeah, the market for podcasting is going up and up and up and more and more people are podcasting and that's great and all. But podcasts still haven't reached that, still don't have that kind of like YouTube space where, and I don't think it should have this space. I'm I'm not advocating for it, but I'm also kind of like, there should be some kind of like site or something that, Choose up all the podcasts and basically says oh hey this podcast you like apple computers oh you should check out this podcast oh you like productivity you should check out the pitch show like that that's like the the thing that i think podcasts is lacking i don't know if you agree or not
0: well, quick clarification. If you hate productivity, you should check out The Pit Show. If you love yeah. productivity, The Pit Show is going to be the thing you you want to argue at. You know, well, times I mean,
1: of hate watching is a big thing on YouTube. Why yeah. can't hate listening be a big thing on <laughs> in podcasting? <laughs> I'm about
0: to send a tweet out. Hate listen to my show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you like productivity? Hate listen.
0: <laughs> 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 i I totally i agree and I disagree with the idea of like podcasting shouldn't get to that point here's Here's the thing about podcasting that I think people who are avid podcast listeners don't get um back in the day before podcasts were a thing before YouTube was a thing, if you wanted to talk about something and I think the best example of this was like have you've seen the movie eight mile right? yes. Okay, I had to make sure, you know, some people don't watch movies or whatever. But like there's a part in there where they're working on these demos. They're putting all this stuff out and people are willing to do almost anything just to get your demo or your album that your track that you made on the radio. And because the radio was the way that everyone listened. Like mm. And it was easier to get to than TV. You couldn't you couldn't do a, a live set, you know, of you rapping until you were already established. So you had to do whatever you could to just get on the radio. And then once you were on the radio, you know, someone might hear you, and that can spark a, a potential deal somewhere. That can sell tickets to your next event. Nowadays, we have the algorithm more than anything. Yeah. We have the algorithm. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that your that Your algorithm is being fed constantly. That means being on Instagram. That means promoting your YouTube videos on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on TikTok. That's why every YouTuber now has a TikTok channel. Like, not except me. For you. Not me. <laughs> except for you. Old, I'm old man the whole, refuses I'm basically
1: media. always the YouTube holdout on every YouTuber has this. And then I raise my hand. Nope, not me. <laughs> but that's the thing is like, now YouTubers have podcasts and sometimes
0: it's the exact same content. Like, yeah. they don't even care to edit it to what's an audio acceptable format. They're not even making video content that could be consumed as an audio format and what we've seen is all of the radio personalities now do video Mm -hmm. and it it becomes this entire ecosystem to where if you want to see growth you can't just have a youtube channel you have to have the youtube channel and the podcast you have to have the youtube channel and the presence on social media and of course that's not to say that Not everybody goes that route and and it, it doesn't always work for everybody. It's just like everything else. Like you have to, in some ways, get very lucky. But the thing that I see happening in the next like five years is if you are primarily a YouTuber, you will have a podcast that you do. Yeah, and it it will be some form. I mean, I I didn't know MKBHD had a podcast until last year, and I was like, oh, hey, look, wait for him. Oh wow, they're like sixty something episodes in. Look at this, and it's it's like one of those things where people who people who have the means get it, but the people who are trying to get to that level don't quite understand that yet. And I'm not going on YouTube because the podcast thing isn't working. I mean, this podcast gets like. 200 downloads an episode. I'm okay with that because at the end of the day, I get to have these thoughtful conversations with people who are doing better than I am. And like, I get to learn from them. I get to try new things. And like I said, more than anything, I'm keeping my iron sharp. Like I'm making sure that when my boss comes in and says, Hey, we're thinking about doing a podcast or, Hey, we're thinking about doing like a YouTube thing. Like, are you available? And I'm Yeah, of course I am. By the way, I want to raise. Um, like I can, I can, and I can justify it. I can say yeah. like, if someone isn't going to pay me for my time, I can take my talents elsewhere. But you can't do that if you are not creating. If you are not doing the things that are going to be what those companies and what the audience in general is going to expect.
1: That is a good. I I like that a lot. Like, you do have to, and and like being a. Uh, Another phrase I hate content creator Uh, being one of those basically means you always have to be creating Uh, when you start going in YouTube and you go 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 and you're putting out videos consistently and then you stop the algorithm punishes you for that like your views will go down, uh, it, it will not stay up because it wants you to constantly keep putting out content. And I mean the same thing with podcasts too, like the only way to grow a podcast is to consistently put out episodes market those episodes have guests come on have them share that they were on this episode and like that that vicious cycle of constantly be creating and it could be a bit much and and then you get things like burnout and stuff creeping up on you i yeah i think
0: i think with that though you have i mean consistency is key but we see more and more podcasters who are podcasting full-time reducing the amount of podcasts that they're doing regularly and instead increasing time in those other areas. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's funny. Like I've, I've seen like so many, so many like podcasts that were weekly on relay FM are now like, yeah, we're going to be biweekly. We're going to be monthly. <laughs>
1: and yeah. It's like,
0: but then in the meantime, those same people are like, Oh yeah, but I started like three other shows and now I'm doing all of this other stuff here and I'm streaming on Twitch and like you're doing all of this stuff. I think there's a benefit to being able to say I have an audience. That audience will wait patiently. And if I set the the standard, I can sit on that audience and know that people will slowly trickle in. The the hockey stick may not be as sharp, but it it was never going to stay sharp forever. Like mm-hmm. fighting over the last, you know, hundreds of subscribers, when you get to that point, it's there. And 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 that's why I hate, I kind of hate love this like hustle culture of like, I think people are just doing it wrong. I think that you shouldn't hustle yourself to the point that you burn out, like you said. But I do think that there's like a there's like a a pattern that if you look at large scale success stories you see it of like doing horrible quality content because that's what you could put out at a regular pace increasing the level of quality and then slowing down the pace to make to make it easier to maintain so that you don't burn out but only doing that once you've leveled up your your audience that's- and I, I i think the hard part of that is knowing when to level up like yeah if, If I put out crap videos and I get like a thousand people watching, I shouldn't say I'm going to stop putting out crap videos. I'm going to start putting out amazing quality content videos and I'm only going to put out videos once a week. It's like, no, maybe I should keep doing crap videos until I can make enough money to hire an editor so that I can continue to put out crap videos, but faster, or I can put out slightly better quality content at the same rate. Until eventually now you have all of this stuff. And to be honest, your videos won't be crap. Like they'll be decent and then they'll just get better because you got better. That's like doing video is you can use a crappy webcam with good lighting and actually put out a decent video.
1: Yep yeah I and that's kind of how I started i my first few videos don't actually have anything of me f- filming anything it was using screen recording software uh a blue yeti microphone and a pirated copy I mean a uh copy of <laughs> Adobe Premiere pretty sure it's past of limitations um. But a, yeah, a copy
0: of Premiere fell off a truck and
1: exactly, it <laughs> exactly, it fell off the back of a truck. I went over, picked it up. I waited the however long you were supposed to wait, and then you reported uh, I,
0: it to the police. And Adobe I, said, "No, nah, just keep it."
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly, one hundred percent. And that's and that's how I started off. I totally was just I made if you. I mean, a lot of my first videos are still live. You can go back to them. They are not good, and you can see a range uh, and basically what i did was i took money my money and got to a certain level that i was okay with to start publishing videos then it started growing 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 a little bit and then there is a tipping point and i can tell you exactly which video it was it was the uh apple pencil for non artist video that video took off and that was when i was able to monetize my channel i started having money come in and i took all that money and put it right back into my channel so, in the gear, in the software, and whatever I needed, um, and uh, through that, and that gear is not everything. Like I am not trying to tell you you need to have like a red camera and like fancy lights or any, you don't. Um, tell,
0: tell me, tell me that to the uh, the video interview that we were supposed to be.
1: Oh wait, <coughs> hey, I'm sorry. Okay, in my defense, in my defense, I bought the one Mac that doesn't have a web camera. <laughs> Second, Canon camera. Are absolutely horrible for trying to do like what, like video calls or anything like that. You could technically do them, but like non-cinema cameras you can't you have to run off battery you can't charge them while being plugged in they have 30 minute record limits it's just it it's terrible it it does not work out right <laughs> so in my defense i didn't buy any of that stuff with that in mind like i, I never thought i was actually going to do that i don't, should probably buy a web camera though
0: because when we started the conversation i had my camera turned on and i looked at it and it was at like 15 percent battery life i was like oh
1: crap <laughs> yeah yeah no i i just yeah i i should probably buy a web camera at the very least but uh i should just yeah. buy
0: a second battery
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh oh yeah no definitely oh man i have like five batteries for my camera i chew through those things um but yeah, gear is not everything, but I use the money that came in for my YouTube channel to invest in gear so I could up the quality. But the the important key is there, I learned how to use that gear properly. Um, just because you buy a fancy camera does not mean you're you are going to get the best looking footage of all time. You need to know how to use that camera. I, I guarantee you, I could if somebody gave me if somebody went up to a random person and said, here's a a red camera like the fanciest of all fancy cameras and then they handed me my eos r i can make better footage than some random person with a red camera because i know that camera inside and out
0: i there's a cool video where it's like you give a music producer garage band and you give like an amateur editor like final cut and you give them a track and you tell them to master that track mm. and it's it's so weird yeah
1: yeah i've seen And I've seen some videos like that with cameras and stuff, too. Like, here's an amateur. We gave them a red. Here's this professional person. And we gave them, like, some Canon Rebel. And, like, knowing how to use your gear is far more important than the gear itself, I would say.
0: I, I will say, like, I've started doing this thing now where I, like, high five. I don't, like, actually touch the lens, but I, like air five my camera lens just so that it'll force reset the autofocus because i couldn't be bothered
1: <laughs> oh yeah see this is why you get a canon camera because the autofocus is amazing on it and i don't ever have to worry about that
0: well that's the thing is i usually will like it'll be fine but the problem that i ran into is like i was doing video for a talk and so i'm using my desktop monitor as like a video monitor so like i can see like what's going on oh, on the camera gotcha okay and then like i would i would do like a quick take and i would pause and i would like move my head to look over and it would focus on the portraits behind me oh. so when i brought my head back into focus it would it would hold the focus of the portraits because it's literally like a it's a it's one of the stock faces and it has like the recycling stickers but when it's blurred out it actually looks like a picture of a portrait with Japanese writing on it. <laughs> so, I was like, oh, that's a cool little technique. I'm going to use that. But then when they actually focus on it, like it blurs, it makes me a little blurry and I'm like,
1: uh <laughs> I, I, for the longest time in one of my... um. And for in some of my videos, I had like one of the original Star Wars posters behind me, but I had to take it down because the way Canon does auto detect is it looks for faces or eyes, yeah. depending on how you set it. So it was always trying to focus on that poster. And I was just like, oh, so yeah. I had to take it down. I don't even we've know got... where it's at now.
0: So so what else you got for me? We've
1: we've we've oh, yeah, the YouTube pig. <laughs> uh. So, OK, Mm. If somebody was to come to you and be like, hey, Jay, you're causing a lot of problems here, chopping down trees for your paper. You can't, you can't use paper anymore. You're gonna get canceled. What'd what? get canceled? I mean, you You funny. would take getting canceled over. Okay, that's where I, mean, I was going with it. <laughs>
0: un- unless I was, unless they were like, hey, we're gonna like, you're gonna get fired from your job, or you know, some I mean. Here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> people, people think that I'm like out here crusading against people's productivity apps. I'm not. There's I no mean, videos about why I hate their apps. It's just they don't work for me. Like, yeah, and, and it's it's that simple. Like that that to me is like the problem that I have with productivity porn. And it's like this this whole realm of. I used OmniFocus and I don't like OmniFocus because this one thing. So I'm going to switch over to things and I like things, but now I don't like things because it doesn't do this one thing. And I'm going to switch over to Todoist. You know what? But Todoist doesn't do this other thing, but you know what does? OmniFocus. And you just keep running around in a giant circle, basically migrating your tasks and never getting anything done. And then you wonder why you haven't been able to accomplish anything. And it's like, I, I played that game for so long But the thing that I realized was it was always during the in-between times when I was trying to figure stuff out that I was getting things accomplished. And that was because until then, I needed something that was going to be consistent. And I would just pull out a notebook and just write stuff down. And I would operate off of that until I got all of my setup and stuff going. So eventually I was like, well, if this is the thing that seems to be working, why don't I just use that? And and I will say that the thing that helped was like I committed like project manager bankruptcy and just said, you know what? Start from scratch and don't worry about like stuff will pop up. You're still going to get emails on stuff. People will think that you're slacking for like a week, but then you're going to save yourself a lot of time. And when I did that, like it just got easier to the point. Now where like, if, if I'm working with people and having to use a document manager, like craft or something (laughs) like that, I'm like, how do i do this like how do i how do i do this in a way that's not going to be me just throwing everything in there and burdening other people
1: <laughs> and it's it's funny that when when you're saying uh the you're jumping between different apps and stuff like that it pops in my mind the from the great movie war games the only way to play is not to – I messed it up. <laughs> the only way to win is not to play at all. Uh, and that's – I think a lot of productivity software falls into that trap. I I know for a long time I was making videos about like, okay, this task manager. And as soon as I was done with that video, I switched to a different task manager because I felt like I needed to make another video about a different task manager. And I realized over the last year, or maybe it was the year before that, that it doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter. A task manager is a way, is a place to dump information into it. It, it doesn't like just because one has some fancy, you know, option or something. It, it really, it really doesn't make a difference. So I just picked one that I was happy with that 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 worked, and then I just built my own system from there and, and i honestly i would have done the same thing with paper like it, it has nothing to do with like you know some sort of holy war of this productivity app versus another versus anything else it's just like what works with my brain okay great this works now just make it mine i guess i don't i don't know where if that makes sense or not
0: I, w- I wonder what task manager leonardo da vinci would have used Ooh,
1: he seems like an omnifocus person.
0: No, no, really? way too creative, way too creative. I think he would have used like, do I dare say he would have been a Notion user?
1: <laughs> mm, depends. D- does he have taste? <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> then, in that case, yes. <laughs> I, mean, I just offended like half your audience. <laughs> that's
0: fine. Most of them have checked out by now. These this is for the serious people.
1: <laughs> notion's I, bad. Craft good.
0: I don't. I don't even want to say Notion's bad. I. I the problem that I have with try to be everything tools is that they never work and they yes. always they always fail trying to be everything look it's, at Evernote Evernote yeah. is like if but they you, made them socks if you like ever want to say it's like Evernote but for like immediately just stop yeah. what you're saying like do one I, thing do one I don't think really well
1: I don't think the Evernote people can, can – if I, if I gun to an Evernote employee's head, not that that's a good thing or I'm advocating for that. It's a bad thing. It's a very bad thing. But gun to their head, I don't think I, they could describe what their app does in 60 seconds. I don't,
0: I don't think they could describe how do you get started
1: yeah oh that's that's a great point and and that's kind of how i feel about notion too like notion there's so many things you so many hoops you have to jump through there's so many taps and i'm primarily the ipad person so i haven't even seen what notion looks like on a mac or in the web or whatever but there's just so many taps in like menus and things it's just it feels like it's one of these new uh, new kind of categories of apps that we're going for pretty and like looks good and like makes you look super organized and productive versus actually being fast and good for your personal productivity.
0: The thing that I, and and I was, I was going to talk about this, but it didn't really seem right on the, on the show. Like when I think of apps that do a great job and that garner the love of, of like a community, like in a way that's just amazing it's always like these apps that do one thing, but they do it with so much care. Mm -hmm. Like I've, I've interviewed, I interviewed Charlie Chapman like a week before dark noise launched. Oh, nice. And it was just like, Oh, this is amazing. And then like, at the same time, like Charlie was super nervous. He's like, I have no idea what I was doing. Like I wanted to learn this. And, I remember messaging him and being like, dude, you're a rock star now. And like now it's like, I mean, and he's got a podcast. (laughs) So it's like, it's, it's that whole thing of like, he built a tool. Dark Noise was built because he had to learn how to become an iOS developer for his job. Yeah, like I think people forget that, but it was it was opinionated. It was I'm going to do this because I think it's the right thing to do. I'm going to add this feature because it's the right thing to do. We didn't talk about it, but like uh, diversityorgs.tech, which I really should change the name of that, but at the same time, whatever. Um, It does one thing, and my goal is to make it do that one thing really well, Mm -hmm. and to like serve people in a way that it's just helpful like it gets out of your way what do you do with it you search what do you search for there are three things that you can search for and they're listed right above the search bar like it tells you what to do right then and there it does nothing else and i've been fighting with the idea of like oh if there's a meetup link you should show a little button and i added that and oh it has a twitter link and it shows you a little button and i added that and then someone was like oh it would be great if you could add conferences to this and i was like no (laughs) <laughs> we will not be adding <laughs> conferences to this that's where i draw the line but but i think about that like charlie's second app it was like he was getting he's on like vox and everything else and they were talking about it and it was literally my wife is a teacher and all the other apps out there that i tried to set up for just sucked so i just built one that does something very simple very well and it's free and it's like it's it's there to solve all the problems that teachers had and people were like he's on like productivity podcasts they're like this is the greatest tool ever because you know i'm presenting a a report or something or i'm looking at a document and i'm just like it's not even for you and you love it because of the amount of care that you put into it and i think that that's that's what i wish content creators would do Mm. Not just app developer, not just indie app developers. I think that that's where when you have the opinions of of 15 people on an engineering team or 100 people at Apple, you lose that because you can't have the intimacy of one person's opinion in an app that was designed by a team. You, yeah. you just can't. It's impossible. And. The the bigger these products get, the easier it is to see that. We were talking about big mail, and it's like, how is it that the team behind Basecamp had to basically reinvent email and create their own protocols for it, create their own patterns for it, and everything else? But then one person could develop an application that takes the majority of the features that they had to implement and that they that they reinvented email for because it wasn't possible to do it's like no it it, it was possible to do you just couldn't come to an agreement so y'all decided to rebuild it
1: yeah yeah, I, and, and one of my favorite apps that I mentioned earlier, and I should probably disclose that they will be sponsoring an upcoming video, is drafts. And and that was kind of it was originally built to solve uh Greg, the developers, it solve one of his issues, uh, about just sending a message to his wife, if I remember correctly. And and, yeah. and like it's hands down become one of the most important apps in my arsenal because i i just jot everything down in this app all day long anytime i have an idea anytime like i know i need to work on something i just put it in this app and then when i can deal with that stuff later on i deal with it later on because productivity um especially when when apps like we were talking about apps try to do a whole bunch of things and you need to stop what you're doing so if i'm in the middle of a film shoot and i need to stop what i'm doing because i get an idea and i have to like jump through a big notion database to write down this idea no, that's that's ridiculous with drafts i literally just open the app it has a blank draft and I just type in the idea and I'll deal with it when I can actually deal with those things later on. And that's, that's one of my favorite things is, and that's one of the things I hope we see more of is basically software getting out of the way.
0: Yeah. There was a, I I think I mentioned this to you. Um, I was, I was telling you about a, a project that you might be interested in, but one of my favorite, my two favorite tools right now for my Mac are bunch and hook bunch by friend of the show. Brett Terpstra has been on the show three times now, I think two or three times. I don't remember. Um, but like, it's literally a tool that you can, it's like batch files, but written in a markup language. That's easy to understand. And then you literally just click on the bunch icon and select the task and it can open apps, close apps. And I mean, it can do all of these things on top of each other, not just one at a time. Like oh, it can right. set your, your do not disturb it can change your volume input levels it can change your background it can run snippets from within inside of it so that you can like create complex systems but at at its core it's literally just like hey go into pod i, I just type in like an alfred because i i actually created the alfred um plug the alfred workflow for bunch um but i just type in bunch and then like the name of the podcast that I'm doing. And it opens up Audio Hijack. It opens up Zoom. It creates a new folder for, you know, what the name of the podcast and the date. Uh, Well, not the name of the podcast and the date. I'm working on that part. I still got to get that part working. Um, But it can do all of these things and it just gets out of the way. You don't ever see it. You don't ever see the window pop up. It didn't have to provide this amazing editor. It's literally just, here's a text file edit it. Okay. Hit run. And and the other one is hook and hook in my opinion is, and I will say uh, disclosure, I am working with the team at hook, not in an official capacity, but I'm working with them to help make the app better and help promote it. <laughs> um, but the reason why I chose to do that was that hook to me is an ADHD dream. Have you heard of the idea of object permanence? No, the, it's the simple idea of it's like babies have this problem. If, if you take something out of sight, it no longer exists, which is, which is why people with ADHD tend to have messy desks because if the second you tuck it away and file it, it's just gone. Hook is turning object permanence into a benefit and not a curse Instead of having a bookmark tool to where you put everything in pinboard or you put everything in whatever, whatever your bookmarking tool of choice is, and then you don't ever think about it again, Hook allows you to bookmark things in context. So if I have a good example, if I'm on your website, if I'm on the untitled site, I can create a, a Hook like link to your site. And then I can copy that link. And then if I go to your YouTube channel, I can activate Hook again and connect your YouTube channel to oh. your website. And I can do that as many times as I want. So that now, if I want to go, dang, what's Chris's? I know Chris's YouTube channel, but what's his website? I just go to your YouTube channel and then open up and just hit the hot key to open up Hook. And I have your website, your Twitter account, you know, <coughs> all of those things like sitting there for me. And I just, oh yeah, that's the one that I needed. And then open it up and then hook disappears. The thing that I wanted opens up and it's like, okay, cool. And I just go back to doing what I was doing.
1: That's pretty cool. Okay, I did not know either, either of those existed. But to be fair, I'm fairly new at getting back into the back. Yeah, I'm the iPad guy. I haven't I've actually only had a Mac here for a couple of weeks. And then before that, I've been like iPad as my only computer for like four years or something like that. I don't even remember how long it's been. Um, So I will definitely check both those out. I, I literally as you were talking about them, I added them. I have a list in drafts of Mac software to check out that basically friends like you and stuff have just been like telling me, hey, check this out. Check this out. And I just haven't gotten to all of it. So it's a list in drafts right now.
0: And I will say that that's the other cool thing is that you can use it for things that don't that aren't connected like that. Like you want to say like, hey, I have like I have a video list in craft, but I also have like it's literally just a shopping list. And I've hooked all of those websites together So if I'm like, what were those things that I needed to buy? Well, I know I need to go to Elgato because they never have their arm, the arms for their like flex system available. So that's usually where I start. And if I go, what was that? It was a cloud something. I just go to, I'm on Elgato's site already. I just open up bunch or not bunch, open up hook and the link to the cloud lifter on Amazon is already there. That's really cool. That's It's it's like the idea of not having to keep that stuff in your head, but also not having to worry about where you put it. You just put it where you last thought about it so that when you go, oh, yeah, what was that one thing? You just open it up and like, boom, it's right right there in front
1: of you. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I'm going to have to play around with that. I feel like I feel like that will be in a video in the future when I get around to start making videos about Mac software, because that that seems like right up my kind of alley of of like things that would work out really well.